0: Good morning, and God bless you on this wonderful Christmas Eve 2023. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we thank you, we love you just for everything you've blessed us with, exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. We want to give you all praise and all glory for your magnificent love for mankind in sending your Son, in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start out by saying Jesus never came to start a religion, but to restore a family, the royal family of God's love. He came to offer us by free will, our rightful place with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords at his father's table. And that's why for me, witnessing, sharing the gospel is not a chore because I realize it's the greatest gift I can ever give to any human being. Back in Genesis, Adam and Eve had it all they had dominion over the fish, the fowl, the earth, and they lived in an unimaginably beautiful place called paradise, the Garden of Eden. The word Eden means delight, full of pleasure. <laughs> That was God's gift to the first human beings. But like the movie Titanic, Adam could truthfully say, I'm the king of the world, but not for long, because he relinquished his power to a fallen angel, and calamity quickly ensued. But God... I always love that thought that phrase in Genesis 3:15. After this mess was made in the garden of Eden, God immediately gave hope. Hope, which is such a powerful word to mankind, to human beings. And he said in verse 15 in Genesis 3, "I will put enmity or separation between you and the woman." God is speaking to the fallen angel, Lucifer. I will put separation between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Well, women don't have seed. So we're going to talk about that in a second. He shall bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. Well, if you're going to get a big fat bruise, I'd much rather have one on my heel than on my head. (laughs) And so God immediately gave mankind hope of one day again being kings and lords in paradise. And from that period of time, which was, which was close to 400 B.C. until the manger in Bethlehem, which was around 4 or 3 B.C., God's people had looked diligently for this Messiah, this Christ, the one who would come and redeem them from their captivity from the curse that Adam had placed upon mankind. And this all happened in a crowded, small town called Bethlehem, which appropriately translated into English means house of bread. And Jesus said of himself when he was a grown man, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that comes from heaven. And so in Bethlehem, They had gone, Mary and Joseph had gone because there was a census for tax collection, and because there was no room for them in the inn, there were so many people there, that's when our true king and the bread of life was born, not in a palace, not in a five-star hotel, but in a manger, and let me tell you, mangers were very clean places because people took their animal, their husbandry, you know, to heart. They kept them almost like their children. Everything was so clean and neat. But the interesting thing, when Jesus was born in the manger in Bethlehem, God did not alert the media. (laughs) He did not go to the big muckety-mucks. He told his angels, his messengers, to go to a group of shepherds. And bring to them good tidings of great joy. And you know, the thing is, I didn't find out until I went to Israel. And I asked our guide, Avi, to spend a day with him. I paid him extra to take me to a sheep market, to take me to any of the places where people were still of the lineage of folks who grew up in that part of the world. That they would look more like Jesus looked. We certainly know he wasn't an Anglo-Saxon, that he was Jewish. And he came from the Palestine area. And so, Avi was the one that taught me that being a shepherd was one of the absolute most noble and revered professions in the time of Jesus. Why? Because they were the supermarket. They fed the people meat. They supplied wool for warmth. They gave them milk for cooking and drinking. And it was these noble shepherds that God chose to announce the birth of his son to the good common man. If you want to look at Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it says, While they, Mary and Joseph, were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. Yahoo! And Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. If you read the rest of the Gospels, you'll find out that Jesus had at least six half-brothers and sisters because his brothers and sisters were fathered by Joseph and carried by Mary. So Jesus was the firstborn of at least seven children. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds, verse 8, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord, wow, I just take a minute, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified. I mean, today we would probably think it was a UFO. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Praising who? God. (laughs) And saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is the greatest news ever (laughs) given to mankind because Mary delivered a baby and that baby grew up and delivered me and delivered you and delivered whosoever would call on the name of the Lord. They shall not be ashamed. And I wanted to share something that may be familiar with you called One Solitary Life. Because I think today people have such a herd mentality that they can't conceive of doing something just because God told them to. If they don't have seven or eight followers, they don't feel happy And yet, one person motivated by God can do more than a hundred that aren't. So, I'll share with you one solitary life concerning Jesus. He was a man born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman who grew up in another obscure village. Both Bethlehem and Nazareth were very backwater towns, small. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30, and for three years he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that is usually accompanied with greatness. (laughs) He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except take the naked power of his true father and share it with mankind. In his love-fueled ministry, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. Another betrayed him. And he was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial he was nailed upon a wooden cross between thieves, while his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he actually owned on earth, his seamless garment. When it was finished, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. And yet 20 centuries have come and gone, and today he is the center of the human race and the leader of the columns of progress of all the animal and armies of all the armies that ever marched of all the armies that ever marched all the navies that were ever built all the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life the life of jesus our Messiah. Can I get an amen, people? (laughs) That is just amazing to think about that. And there was a prophecy given about this wonderful king in Luke chapter 8, verse 78 in the Amplified. Because of the tender mercy, mercy is withholding merited judgment. Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise, the Messiah from on high, will dawn and visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in a straight line on the way to our true destiny of peace and serenity in Him. That's what that one solitary life accomplished for whosoever Will call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And right now, that same Jesus is our King, our Messiah, the lover of our soul. And when you think about it, where is Jesus right now? Yes, he's at the right hand of God, but Jesus is the King of Kings who dwells in the light that no man can approach. And Jesus is not only our king, but he is our shepherd. He is our friend. He is the one who never lets go of your hand. Jesus is the one who picks us up when no one else has even noticed that we've fallen. Our job is simply to nurture our trust for him and open our hearts wide to his love and provision. Then we have something to share with mankind. Jesus is the one who gave us a seat at our Father's royal table, and we are the ones who can turn around and offer others a seat at the table in a place of blessing and provision. Amen? The whole point is, at the time of the new birth, Jesus moved inside of you. You became a new creation in Christ. And now, His joy is when you allow Him to shine through your life, through your eyes, through your heart, through your actions. It says in Corinthians that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. But people, we do. The point is we do have this treasure. Treasure. Far beyond, I don't care what it is on earth, a billion dollars, a ton of gold, you know, a continent filled with silver, nothing comes close to the treasure of Christ living in you and giving you eternal life and the power to love and be loved and share love. And I'll tell you, if if you would ask God to open your eyes and see the treasure on the inside, the wonder that he's placed inside of you, it would change everything you think about yourself and others. It would be the end of low self-esteem. It would be the end of fear. It would be the end of doubt. It would be the end of worry. But so few of us take the time to realize what and who we are in Christ. And I, another thing, if you really saw what was in there, honey, you would be chomping at the bit to tell everybody, not just people you love, but every Tom, Dick, and Harry about the gift that God wants to freely give, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. To tell the world about who the real king is, the real cock of the roost, because I'm telling you, it's not politicians, it's not mankind, it's not the billionaires. Jesus is the king of kings, and he's still king over the heavens and the earth. Don't forget that. And that's why the new birth, when you realize who you are in Christ, it's stupendous. It is astonishing. It is life-changing. It is beyond the beyond. Jesus is king. Don't forget that. Do not be distracted by the shiny or the dark objects here on this earth. Jesus is our king and the Lord of love. Like I said in the beginning, Jesus never came to start a religion but to restore God's family. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. So he has already made us lords and kings. And our eternal home in paradise started the day we were born again, because that's the day you got your eternal spirit. Yep, we're going to come back and pick up a new body. But your spirit came the day you believed in Jesus and confessed him as Lord of your life. Think about this, because of Jesus and your new birth, it's Christ in you. And this kind of stretched my mind the other day when this hit me upside the head. Peg, you're already a heavenly being on the inside. You're already, the people, you listening to this, you're already a heavenly being on the inside. You're just borrowing this vessel, this clay vessel for a while, until you put on your glorious New body, which you'll carry with you into paradise for eternity. And that's why Christmas time or any time, witnessing is the greatest gift you can give to anyone. To bring others into the royal family of God, to give them eternal life, to give them a taste, to see that the Lord is good and have victory in Jesus. And that's why I just want to have this thought this prayer father we thank you for your gift of holy spirit thank you for giving us a sinless nature through christ thank you for making us the righteousness of god in christ jesus this is all in the book of romans thank you for your wisdom your wisdom flowing through our spirit man filling our heart and mind with your thoughts and ideas Thank you that we are sanctified, which means we are set apart for the Master's use. Not whether I'm holy or unknown, it's where I'm set apart for the Master's use. Thank you that we have that righteousness, the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, which is our legal right to stand in the presence of God Almighty or Satan without any sense, none whatsoever, of sin, guilt, or condemnation. How many people's lives would be healed overnight if they could let go of just beating themselves up for sins they did years ago, let go of the guilt, let go of the condemnation? Folks, this only comes through Jesus Christ. A psychiatrist can't give it to you. A doctor can't give you a pill. Only Jesus can do this in a man or woman's heart. And so, Lord, I thank you that we are right now spiritually seated in the heavenlies at your right hand the hand of blessing so that we can be blessed and be a blessing to others as it says in genesis 12:2. once we get full of you the only thing left to do is praise your holy name and pay it forward pay it forward pay it forward thank you lord jesus for showing us how to take the word of god over the world and bring many, many other hearts to salvation. Jesus, it's in your precious, precious name I say we love you, we honor you, we praise you. Thank you for everything you've done for us and for many more yet to hear the great news that came to the shepherds that day. Good tidings of great joy. A Savior has come to set you free. Thank you, thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.